Hi, everyone. Thank you so much for joining us today. My name is Amanda, and I am the social media specialist here at WeHack Playbell. And today I am joined by Ashley Blake. So Ashley has had quite an exciting career and has tons to share with us. She achieved her master's in environmental studies at the age of 23, followed by multiple career changes. She has truly done it all. She has worked as a professor, career engagement specialist, workshop facilitation, and disability student engagement. Then at the age of 35, she realized she wanted a career in InfoSec. So currently, Ashley is working in operations, helping risk and security teams with learning and development, data assessments, and helping to build a disaster recovery plan. Today, Ashley is going to walk us through how to get into information security from a non-technical lens. So without further ado, take it away, Ashley. Thank you. Can everyone see my screen okay? My first question. How are we doing? Yeah, we're all good. Awesome. Okay, good. So I'm Ashley. I'm going to tell you a little bit about my non-technical journey into InfoSec, and it's going to be a bit ridiculous. Okay, so feel free, speak up if you need to. Um, if you do have questions, I usually try to leave them to the end, but really, I'm all about us talking and creating a relationship here. So chat when you need to, no problem. Um, so give me one second. Who am I? Let's start there. <laughs> As you can see, I am a lobster carrying a cat. Um, pretty much, who am I? I'm a proud Maritimer. I'm actually from Cape Breton Island, and I love it. Uh, I'm an animal lover. I'm a huge geek. I think I'm funny most of the time. Probably not, but I think I'm funny. So that's what matters. Uh, and as Amanda said, I've worked in so many different fields. It's been a roller coaster. And now I'm really lucky that I work with Wave HQ as a security as a GRC security analyst, and I'm loving it. But it took me a long time to get there. And I kind of want to talk about that career journey. You know, I know who I am and I I'm very confident. I love myself, but it wasn't always like that. I had to go through a lot of twists and turns to get where I needed to be. Um, so first, I'm going to talk to you about my journey. How this is going to look is I'm going to go over all of my education, and it's a lot. It's a bit ridiculous. Um, then I'm going to go over my jobs and how my jobs sort of related to my education. But I'm going to tell you some horror stories, okay, about some of my jobs that made me realize maybe it's okay to not be happy and to look somewhere else. And then I'm going to talk about my pivot. How did I come across that perspective of, hey, you know what? I need that change. How do I do it? Let's talk about my education first. All right. I have a BACT, a BACT, a Bachelor of Community Studies. That wasn't at first what I ended up in. I actually ended up in a Bachelor of Arts and I hated it. I hated every minute of it thought it was useless, so was told maybe you'd be better in community studies, and I switched over. And that was the start of me recognizing, hey, you know, I have some pretty cool skills that I never thought of. And for community studies, that means I looked at community development, community sustainability. Like, I looked at everything, and it was really interesting. But then afterwards, I'm still not thinking about my career, right? I'm still not thinking, well, what is it that I really want to do? So I go and I speak to a professor and they're like, you know what, 
you should go into environmental studies. Okay, so then I'm in a master's of environmental studies, living it up in Toronto, still not thinking about my career, <laughs> like just going, this is where I should be at. I'm going to get an education. I do that. Wonderful. But you know what? I come home to Cape Breton. There's no work, but I'll explain that later. You know, as I continue throughout and I continue throughout my education, I realized I wasn't getting where I wanted to go. And one thing that happens when we're in a career transition is we start thinking, I need to keep taking courses. I need to keep being educated because I don't know enough. I'm not where I need to be. Right. But that's not always true. But I fell into that. So I ended up taking a UX UI course. I actually was accepted to a Master of Maritime Studies at MUN because I thought maybe I'll go work on the ocean. Then I did a health stats class. Then I ended up in a, a web development boot camp and a cybersecurity boot camp. I literally thought that every course I needed to take was it was needed because I couldn't achieve what I wanted to without it. Now, being in the field, I'm kind of realizing, no, that's not exactly how it goes. But the web development course was cool. It took me two times to try to get through it because I'm not a great web developer. But I started realizing this is a skill that I need for if I'm ever going to talk to a developer. Right? I should understand their lingo and what they're talking about. So I finished it. Then I ended up in a boot camp. I ended up in a command control security innovation camp and a digital Nova Scotia CompTIA boot camp. And I loved it. Oh my God, I loved it. It was so good. I was having such a great time. And I started realizing, you know, as I was going through my journey, I love InfoSec. And I really do. I really love InfoSec. But this will bring me into jobs. You know, I've gone through all of this education, but my first job was at a fish plant. I was packing fish and was fired because I was so bad at it. <laughs> okay. So that, that said something to me about where I was going to go and where I was landing in my career. If I can't pack fish good enough, where am I going? But I'm actually really glad I was fired. You know, it led to different things. From there, I was an MC for a music venue. I was actually pretty good at that and I loved it. But then after coming home, because I did travel, when I came home, I became a part-time professor. And so I got to travel to indigenous communities and teach political science. And it was amazing, but it was only contract. So I'm like, well, what can I do for full-time employment? And that's where I came into the career world. So all of a sudden I'm in careers. I'm helping people find jobs. I'm building resumes. I'm teaching about the hidden job market. I'm building careers. And it was pretty fun at first, but I'll get into that. Um, then I went into the disability support worker where I helped students with disabilities find jobs. Then I went back to a prof. <laughs> then, you know, I, I managed to score this awesome job I have now at Wave. But let's go into this a little bit. This is really important when we're thinking we're not technical, but we want to be an infosec. All the skills you're going to gain from your jobs and employment are absolutely transferable into InfoSec, okay? The thing is, it's almost like this assumption that I need to be technical to be an InfoSec. I have to be a programmer. I have to be able to pen test, but it's not true. There are so many fields. And actually, Tanya shared a great blog article on it recently. 
read it. It's really cool. But there's so many fields that your skills are relevant for. But ultimately, for me, when I knew I didn't want to be where I was, was horror stories. I've had a boss tell me that will actually threaten to make me cry because they thought that I wasn't emotional enough. Uh, I've had a boss tell me who I can and cannot talk to at work. I've had so many just bad, bad experiences in in the field I was in. Where I started wondering, am I worth it? And I started doubting myself a lot because I was basing my self-worth on someone else. And that's that's not what I needed, right? But I was basing who I am on the opinions of others. So you know, I'm in career. So I'm like, well, why can't I just go get another career? I'm helping everyone else do it. And that's where I pivoted. Okay. I started networking and I mean, crazy amounts of networking. I was going to events. It was me and one woman. That's it. In these events, like it was just wild. I was doing webinars, just talking to people, informational interviews, you name it. I was talking because to me, that's where my information is coming from. And I taught people how to do it. I should be able to do it fine. And I did. It was great. So that started with networking. Finding networking opportunities can be hard. But right now, let's look at how many people are on this call. These are all networking opportunities for you. I'm a networking opportunity. Tanya is. Everyone. This is why it's so cool to be part of this. LinkedIn. Great networking opportunities. You know, the whole idea is when you have an opportunity, to talk to someone, say hi. The worst case scenario that happens when we network, when we ask for informational interviews is they say no. That is your worst case. That's really not that bad. (laughs) Like, okay, you don't want to talk to me, I move on because someone will. Um, So I started making notes and I started doing labor market information. Where would I fit? What do I need? That's when I actually looked at labor market, yes, courses, And I was looking at paying $40,000 to go to school because I thought that's what I needed. You know, a book, some boot camps are, oh my God, they're like $20,000. And I was like, well, I need that because I obviously can't fit into InfoSec just as I am. No, that wasn't true, right? It took A, my education, getting those skills, all my job experiences to understand the base of my skills, and then talking to people to see where they fit. And this is where those questions come into play. Here's my skills. Where do you think I would fit in InfoSec? What do I need? Is there anyone else I should talk to? And I started doing that. And I'm going to tell you, it was awesome. Because I got mentorship. And actually, one of my mentors, I believe Angie, is on this call. And they changed my life. It was amazing. You know, the whole idea is that you, you have to just ask. So I've had multiple mentors, and they've all been really wonderful to me. I've had Victoria, who they were in, you know, a woman in the InfoSec space, and they were doing not as technical work. I've had Angie, Carla, Carrick. Oh, my, I could go on, okay? All these people agreed to mentor me. Like, how lucky am I? From there... I would have just little check-ins. Can you tell me about this? I found this, you know, I found this course. Is it helpful? Who should I talk to? What webinar should I take? 
oh, you know what? I just did this. How can I pivot and spin this to be something different? And then, you know, after all of these courses, I actually took some time and I spoke with Angie, asking Angie, Angie, how can I pivot and take all the stuff that I have now and get into this world? And Angie said, well, actually, there's a job. Do you want to interview for it? That's what that that's what happened. And this is the great thing that I took all this education. I have all these jobs. Now I'm pivoting, but I built relationships. Right. And that's the importance of mentorship. Now, I'm going to ask you guys, take yourself off a of mute if you want. All right. Put in the chat. You know, do you have a mentor? And how have you felt with that? Or where's the challenges that you're having with mentorship? And let me know. Let's have a chat. Anyone? I'll go. I'll go first. So I I have three mentors, and one oh, she helps me figure out um, like business decisions, if that makes sense. And mm -hmm. the other one helps me negotiate better. Um, actually, two of them help me because I'll be like, they offered me this, and they're like, you're worth more than that, and I'm like, okay. Um, and then I I have another. Actually, like I guess I have four. I'm pretty lucky. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. Any anyone else want to share some of their mentorship experiences? Like just having a person you know you can trust and like they'll tell you the best thing that they think is for you. It's so good. Mm-hmm. It is. So I see I'm not really sure how mentorship really works. Good question. I've I haven't not reached out to anyone mentorship. Um not sure how to do that. Okay, well let's look at that first. All right. Um as you network, so let's just say you're listening to my presentation and you relate. Okay, so you reach out to me. You can do that through Tanya. You reach out to me and we start discussing. You know, as we're starting to discuss, maybe that relationship grows and you ask, could you mentor me? It's really that easy, right? Um, it, it pretty much works that a mentor, it's, I guess it's between each other what you want, but a mentor is someone that will set some goals with you Maybe you meet once a month. Maybe you meet every three months. It's really up to you, but they'll answer questions. They'll help you review things. Maybe they'll, maybe they'll allow you to do some tests, some homework to help you really build your skills, but they're also usually an industry expert. So they're the person that you can go talk to when you have questions. They're also someone, at least for me, they're someone that when I was feeling down, I knew I could talk to, right? Because they recognize my skills in ways that I didn't know I had. You know, so mentorship's really important, but don't be scared to ask for it. Once you start making those networks and you start just asking questions, if you really feel there's a connection, it's okay to ask. You know, some of my mentors, literally, we never even asked. We just became mentors. Oh, great, Stacy! I found a mentor after doing an informational interview to hear about the career. I love that. Amazing. You know, it just, it can happen really naturally. Um, but if this is something you're more interested in learning too, um, you can get my information from Tanya and reach out and we can talk about that. It's all about networking and building that network, right? Um, so let's talk about where I am now. I started in Wave HQ as an operations risk analyst. I honestly didn't know anything about risk, but they took a, a chance on me and hired me and it was very cool. They recognized 
I was better in operations than I was as an analyst. So they put me in operations. And as I was working through this, security at Wave messaged me. I started talking and all of a sudden I'm helping them with audits. I'm helping create policies while working as an operations analyst with risk. From there, I started really getting a lot of confidence. Wow, I can do really cool things when I think about it. I never knew I could do this. And that's where this role kind of evolved where we all realized there's a need for this. Let's take those skills that Ashley has and has gained and put them in an area that can be really useful for our organization. And this is where this came. So a GRC security analyst is a governance risk compliance security analyst. What that means is I can help with audits, uh, policy and development. Uh, I help with security education. I'm also helping with silos between departments just to help engage people and get them all on the same path, accountability, compliance. There's a lot to it. And it's a very large, very large, large role with a lot of moving parts. But ultimately, it's something I'm really enjoying. Um, but here's the thing. I started this, what, last week. <laughs> so it's like relatively new. And this past week now, I've had the worst, get ready for it, imposter syndrome I've ever had. Um, I'm just going to open the chat a little bit. Have you guys ever heard of imposter syndrome or have you ever had it? Feel free to talk to me about this. Yeah, Tanya, you've heard it. Anyone else? Okay. Oh, Allison, you deal with it nonstop. Okay. So, oh, when Microsoft allowed them talked about it. Wow. Okay. So we're all dealing with it. Now, my next question to you is going to be, what are you doing to cope with it? What are we doing to cope? So you talk about it, that's great. Yeah, anyone else? This is common. I don't know how the best, like what the best way is. Tell myself, I'm yeah, you are Mary, you totally are. Okay, cool, yeah. Oh, nice. So there's a lot of ways to cope and Okay, so it's at the time, yeah. And this is it. Imposter syndrome is really hard to deal with because, you know, there's a time where we're like, I don't know all of this. So I'm going to share a story. This week, I was offered to, you know, ask, do a lot of different things. But I'm new to this role. I'm starting out. And I didn't know any of it. Like, I didn't know it in the way that everyone else did. And I started, you know, started saying to myself, I'm dumb. I'm not very smart. What's wrong with me? And you know, it just, it started becoming this problem. So I would, I'm very lucky that I have a supportive manager and they've talked me through it and said, no, you're not dumb. You got this. But it's my self expectations that I feel if I'm in this, I should be able to do it right away. I should be great at this, but I'm not, I'm a learner, right? I'm learning, but it took me a, a while and I'm still suffering from it. But when I started into InfoSec, I suffered so bad from imposter syndrome, which I have spelled wrong, syndrome. Very good, Ashley. See attention to detail. Um, but I really felt that I wasn't good enough to be an infosec. 
I felt that I wasn't smart enough. I didn't have the skills. And if I was there, what could I do? Like, why would I be relevant? Now, being here, oh my God, I'm so relevant. <laughs> like, the field is so big. It needs so many different skill sets. But we have to get into there, right? We have to take this idea that I'm not good enough to be here. I don't know everything. So there must be a problem with me and get it out of our head. We all start somewhere, right? Whether we're new to this, we're new to something else. Everyone has started somewhere, even the experts, right? And this is why we have to remember we don't know everything right away. And that's okay, right? Um, it is a male-dominated field. So that can be challenging sometimes, but it is changing. There's a big change in the horizon, which is very cool. Right, you see more women in this. There's going to be more. We're actually really women are really great in infosec, you know. Um, and I, I do want to encourage everyone, women, men, everyone, that don't let imposter syndrome stop you from getting where you want to be. Right? It's one thing that we're going to suffer from sometimes, but ultimately, you're dynamite. Right? And you need to remember this: you are great. You're taking steps to do something that you want to, to achieve a goal you made. Not everyone can do that. That makes you pretty awesome. We just have to keep reminding ourselves. Oh, great. So Elaine said, review the positive feedback from clients, coworkers. Elaine, that's a great idea. Do you have anything, uh, Elaine, do you have anything else to say on that? I know that you've taught on uh, imposter syndrome a fair bit. Yeah, I'll just unmute myself. Uh, yeah, there we go. I'm on my iPhones. So it's a little tricky. <laughs> it's not quite as easy as I'm when I'm on my laptop. Um, yeah, the imposter syndrome. Again, it's more about reminding yourself that uh, you don't have to know everything. And, you know, that you are qualified. You are competent. You are good at what you do. Uh, you know, again, look at the work you've done, the, you know, uh, the qualifications that you have, the service that you provided. Look at that positive mm -hmm. feedback that you get, hopefully from, you know, clients and coworkers about what you've been doing. Uh, and again, you know, have create that little me file that sort of has all those positive comments in it. When you're having doubts, then it's nice to go back and say, hey, I can do this. Look, I've done all these other things, so I can be mm -hmm. successful. I can do it. And I can reach out to get help if I need it. So in the sense, like, don't feel you have to do everything by yourself. Reach out to your colleagues. Like I reach out to Ashley. I reach out to different people. We've, mm -hmm. we've co-facilitated things. We've, uh, you know, yeah. and we, uh, we work well together. So find, find people you work well with and, you know, reach out if you're having, you know, uh, any sort of problems or issues or, you know, want to collaborate. Uh, you don't have to do everything by yourself. So, you know, use I, your resources. And I think that's a good point, Elaine. The imposter syndrome can sneak up on us when we least expect it, right? And, it, and having that support structure is really important. And the reason why I put this in here is strictly that, that, you know, it's going to happen to us. It happens to the best of us. You know, Tanya's an expert and it still happens to them. <laughs> you know, and that's okay. That's totally okay. Um, just making sure anything else that people are saying. Yeah, Diane, it leads to an addiction to certification and education. That is so true. And that happened to me. I fell in that so bad. <laughs> so bad fell into that, right? Because we think if I get this education, then I'll be ready. But will you be ready? You know what? You don't know. 
try, go and talk to people if you're comfortable. If you're not, I understand, but there's other ways too. The online world is big now. You can type, you can text people. You don't have to see them face-to-face -face if you don't want to. So I guess where I'm gonna bring this is lessons. You know, first networking works. Now, my network has gotten huge because I'm I'm very, I'm like a chatty Kathy. I will talk to anybody, <laughs> but I think that's the Maritimer in me personally. But still, people are helpful, particularly people in the field. They want to help. So if you ask, and I'll give you some a cool hint to do that, is let's say you want to talk to someone over LinkedIn. So I'm going to send a message, explain who I am, and then you're going to do an ask. You know, So if I'm like, hello, Diane, my name is Ashley. I'm new to InfoSec. I'm interested in getting in the field. I see you're currently working there. Would you be okay if we had maybe a 30-minute discussion where I could ask you some questions about how you got there and get some of your perspective? The worst case is they say no. This is it. It's the same with mentorship. You know, mentorship has been really, really kind to me. And I'm, you know, I really push that anyone who is able and want to try to find a mentor, right? Again, your worst case is no, but mentorship really helps. And actually, a lot of jobs happen through networking and mentorship. We have to remember the InfoSec is huge. Okay. InfoSec has tons of different roles. You know, it could go from governance risk, it could go to education, it could go to pen testing, it can go to compliance. It's really big. And this is why you don't have to be technical to enter InfoSec. There's actually a lot of positions that you could do in this you know and in that too one of the great things you know i'm really interested in incident response i'm super interested in it so i'm planning to utilize my interest in this role you know i'm going to go learn more about it but i'm going to learn a hands-on i'm going to shadow people i'm going to ask questions to people who have done this before because i can so you may get in a role and be like well i'm actually interested in this and you can gain experience with it so it's pretty neat but we also have to know our value and this is really, really important that you are worth, like your worth is huge. You have skills, the way you do things are different and that's what makes you valuable. Don't ever think, and I was, I was so bad at this that, well, I can't really compete with people. They have five years experience, but you know what they don't have? My skill set. They don't think the way I think, I solve a problem different. So if I solve a problem different, that's a unique skill set only valued to me. 